0: Amen. Thank you, band and choir. And Tom, um, I think it was John MacArthur that said one time, I paraphrase that if you are ugly and a good speaker, people will come to your church to hear you. If you're handsome and a poor speaker, people will come to your church to look at you. But if you're ugly and a poor speaker, you're in trouble as a preacher. <laughs> I'm hoping this morning that I'm a good speaker because I know that I'm uglier than normal if that's possible. Some of you are looking at me going, did Mandy finally, did she finally do it and just pop in between that? She's, she's still holding firm. It wasn't her. It was another female. <clears throat> I encountered, uh, accidentally a honeybee. It wasn't a, a woman. Uh, and she popped me right between the eyes and i knew when she got me that this was going to be different you know it's one thing for them to go up your pants leg they like that they like to sneak up your pants leg and announce their presence about right here and then you wonder how many's behind them <laughs> had one down my shirt last week got me on the chest you didn't know about that but when this one got me between the eyes i knew there's only one thing that can happen so I ran in as fast as I could and tried to squeeze the stinger and the venom out and put something on it and thought I had a measure of victory until two or three hours later. And here I am. And you know, a prideful person would just not have shown up this morning. They would have let, <laughs> let somebody else preach. But I was like, you know what? Dying to yourself may even include me standing up here uglier than normal and you having to look at me. And I wish we can both die to ourselves this morning as we turn to Luke chapter 18. But I just want to go ahead and get that out because some of you are probably wondering what, what's the matter with him. I, I will possibly put these on because, you know, puffy eyes kind of blurred my vision some. So you never know what might happen this morning. Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verse 31. And we're going to look down through chapter 19 and verse 10. Remember when Luke wrote this gospel he didn't put the chapters and the verses in there. He just wrote it. And we came back and put those chapters and verses in to make it easier to find uh, references. And we're going to look at Luke 18, 31 down through 19 in verse 10. not because it's all one story, but because I think there is a common theme in these three separate incidents we're going to see in Luke's gospel this morning. First, we're going to see a conversation with his disciples along the road. Then we're going to see a confrontation Or an encounter with a blind man on the side of the road. And then we're going to see the story, the familiar story of Zacchaeus on the side of the road as well. They all have one thing in common. All three encounters involve a different type of blindness. And we kind of laughed yesterday as my eyes were more swollen than they are today. I was like, I could literally be preaching on blindness... Blind if my face keeps swelling. But by God's grace, it's gone down. I can see some. So, anyway, that was a side note. The good news the good news is that Jesus came to heal the blind. He came for the blind. When he announced his ministry publicly in Luke chapter 4, he went back to his home synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, he opens the scroll and he reads these words to announce his public ministry. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus came to give sight to the blind. And in this text, we're going to see three different types of blindness that Jesus came to heal. Let's pray together as we before we look at the scripture father we thank you for your grace your mercy your love for us your loving kindness that we sang about your salvation that is sure that the choir sang about that's why we're here this morning god not because of who we are but because of who you are because you are a god of grace and mercy and loving kindness we're here not because of what we've done but because of what you've done you came to save and you came as we see this morning to touch and to heal the blind I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes now to see the truth of your word. I pray that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your still small voice. God, these people don't need to hear me. They need to hear you. I pray that you would give us the mind of Christ, that we can understand what you would have us to understand. And God, that you would give us submissive hearts, tender hearts, broken hearts to respond as you lead us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Beginning in Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, we see three different types of blindness. And the first type of blindness we see in verses 31 to 34, we're going to call it gospel blindness. Gospel blindness. Look in verse 31. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and mistreated, and spit upon. And after they have scourged Him, they will kill Him. And the third day He will rise again. Does it get any plainer than that? But the disciples understood none of these things. How could they not understand these things? Well, the meaning of this statement was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend the things that were said. How on earth could the disciples miss this? Jesus said, the things that the prophets have prophesied about are about to happen. Jesus is giving them a clue that the prophets had already prophesied his life. The prophets had already prophesied His death, His burial, His resurrection. It's all in the Old Testament. Some scholars say that there are more than 350 prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet they missed it. Not only did they have the prophets that they had had years before Jesus encountered them, but Jesus had been sowing seeds to prepare their hearts for this news that He just clearly gave them in Luke chapter 18. Back in Mark eight thirty one, Jesus planted a seed, and He said, He began to teach them that the Son of Man... Must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Then in Mark 9, he plants another seed. From there they went out, began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him, and when he's been killed, he will rise three days later. Later, he told them these same things in Luke chapter 9. Now we come to Luke chapter 18 and he gives it to them plain. He gives it to them simple, and they miss it. How can they miss what Jesus is saying when it's right in front of their face? Well, Luke tells us. He says the meaning of the statement was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend it. It was hidden from them. The meaning of this plain statement was hidden from them. They did not comprehend it. They were gospel blind. They could not see and understand the gospel with it right in front of their face. And we all, we all now this morning or have been in the past, we've all been gospel blind as well. Because it takes a miracle for us to have sight. You're not just a good enough person that, you know, I'm just clever enough and good enough that I've seen this on my own. I was raised by the right kind of parents. I was brought up in church. I'm just smarter than all those people. Absolutely not. We're all now, this morning, or have been in the past gospel blind, and the only person that can heal gospel blindness is Jesus Christ himself. So without a miracle, you're either blind or have been blind. And if you see this morning, it's only because Christ... Has opened your eyes now the Bible talks about us being blind and this is one of those sermons where I have all kinds of stuff scribbled in the notes so if you're running the PowerPoint up there just hang on tight because uh, half of this isn't up there and part of it is don't panic sometimes people are gospel blind because they've been blinded by God now I, I don't pretend to be able to explain this clearly to you but I can read to you from what the Bible says in John chapter 12 and this is not on the screen but i'm just want to show you what he says in john chapter 12 beginning in verse number 39 Jesus is speaking well, let's just back up to verse number 36 the latter part of verse 36 The second part of verse 36 of John 12 says, These things Jesus spoke, he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. And in verse 38, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe. They could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, and He hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. So there are times and instances and cases where God Himself has chosen to blind the eyes of people for His glory. There's other times that we know that Satan has blinded the eyes of people. This is in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Just listen. You'll recognize this, I think. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So, God sometimes blinds. Satan always tries to blind. But only God gives sight. Only God can drop those blinders off and open our eyes. In fact, when he knocked Paul to the ground or Saul to the ground on his way to Damascus and he calls him to himself, he appoints him in Acts 26, he appoints him to do what? In verse 18 of Acts 26, to open their eyes. To open their eyes. Their eyes are closed And Paul has been sent to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. If your eyes are closed, if you're blind, you don't know darkness from light. It's all darkness. But when Paul came along to open their eyes, it gave them the ability and the desire to turn from darkness and to turn to light. From the dominion of Satan... Darkness to the dominion of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Him. First Peter 2, 9, is, this salvation is described this way. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His what marvelous light. Until the light of the world opens your gospel blind eyes, you will not be able to see the holiness of God. You will not be able to see your sinful state, and you will not see the glories of the gospel. These disciples are suffering from a case of gospel blindness. That's not the only kind of blindness we see in Luke chapter 18. If we look in verses 35 to 43, we see that there was physical blindness physical blindness in verse 35 as jesus was approaching jericho a blind man was sitting by the road begging now hearing a crowd going by he began to inquire what this was they told him that jesus of nazareth was passing by and he called out saying jesus son of david have mercy on me those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, They gave praise to God. It seems normal for Jesus to heal the blind to us because most of us are familiar with the Gospels, we're familiar with the stories. We miss something because we do not recognize and realize some of the nuances of this culture. In the minds of the Jews, if you are blind and you're begging, it's because you're sinful and because God is judging you. In John chapter 9... In John chapter 9, we see this very clearly in verses 1 and 2. In John 9, 1 and 2, it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So Jesus is passing by, John 9, verse 1, he sees a man who has been blind from birth. He's never seen a thing. And verse 2, his disciples asked him, his well-meaning Jewish Disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? Do you see the assumption? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Obviously, if this guy's blind, he did something to deserve it. Obviously, if this man is blind and he was born blind, his parents did something to deserve it. What was it that they did, Jesus, that would have caused this man to be born blind? So it's the same scenario here in Luke chapter 18. They pass by this blind beggar and he starts crying out for Jesus. And the assumption of everyone is, be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for the likes of you. You sinner, his judgment is resting upon you. It's no wonder the crowds are trying to shut him up. Yet Jesus stops for this man. Aren't you glad Jesus stops for blind beggars? Aren't you glad Jesus stops for people who are under judgment for their sin? I mean, if Jesus didn't stop for blind beggars, if Jesus didn't stop for sinners who were under judgment for their sin, He wouldn't stop for any of us. And yet Jesus, in the midst of a crowd who's trying to shush the blind man and move Jesus along to more worthy people, in the midst of this scenario, Jesus stops and Jesus commands him to bring him to him. He speaks with him. He heals him and absolutely transforms his life. It's gospel blindness, physical blindness. And then as we move into chapter 19 of Luke, Verses 1 through 10, we see spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Look in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. You know why Zacchaeus was rich? Zacchaeus was rich because he was a chief tax collector. Chief tax collectors got paid by the Romans. Chief tax collectors could collect whatever they wanted to collect and pay Rome whatever Rome demanded, and they'd keep what they wanted for themselves. Zacchaeus was rich, but Zacchaeus was not popular. Usually rich people are popular people because folks don't like them, they want their money, right? But Zacchaeus is rich, and he's not popular. And why is he not popular? Because every Jew in Jerusalem, recognized that tax collectors were not just tax collectors because they took their money, but they were traitors. Because they took their money and they gave their money to the occupying forces. They gave their money to the occupiers, the enemies, the Romans, who would then take that money and use that money to oppress them to commit atrocities towards their people. This was like the worst person on planet Earth was a Jewish tax collector. He was even worse than the blind beggars who they viewed as sinful and under the judgment of God. Zacchaeus was a traitor who stole from his own countrymen to give to the enemy army so that he could live in a nice fancy house, so that he could wear nice clothing, so that he could be wealthy. A Jewish tax collector was not welcome in the synagogue. He wasn't allowed to go to synagogue. He could not interact with his countrymen because they didn't want to interact with him. He couldn't go into the home of a self-respecting Jew. Did you imagine never being invited into the home of one of your kinsmen? And no self-respecting Jew would ever enter into his house. Zacchaeus couldn't say, nobody wants me at their house, so I'm going to put an invitation out and throw a party at my house. The Jews didn't come to the parties of tax collectors because no self-respecting Jew would ever enter into a tax collector's house. Below the beggars and the blind were the tax collectors. This is Zacchaeus. In verse 3, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. Who's this guy that I've been hearing about? And he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Zacchaeus probably thought, maybe, maybe I can get up in this tree. And, and scholars believe that it was literally like some type of mulberry elm tree that we don't have a good word for that would have been leaved out and fruitful this time of year when Jesus came through Jericho. So the idea is Zacchaeus shimmies up this tree in order to be able to see over the crowds and see Jesus. But there's also this slight implication that maybe he shimmied up that tree and was looking from a distance in that tree up above behind the leaves so that nobody saw him because he wasn't going to be welcome there. So he kind of slips around, goes up the tree, gets gets a shot at Jesus... Peeking through the leaves. It reminds me of Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. You know What did they do when they sinned in the garden? They didn't run out to meet Jesus. They ran around here and hid in the bushes. Tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. Which I always thought was their first or second mistake. Their first mistake was eating fruit. Second mistake was covering up with fig leaves. If you've ever picked figs off trees. Those things have itch properties, don't they? They paid the price for that move. So they, they hide and they cover up with fig leaves. Zacchaeus covers himself up with leaves. And just like Jesus did with Adam and Eve, Jesus comes looking for Zacchaeus in his hiding place. Look in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus had never met Jesus as far as we know. It said that he went and climbed up that tree to find out who he was. Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was at, he made eye contact with him, he called him by name, and he invited himself into, of all places, Zacchaeus's house. He said, hurry up and come down, for today I must stay at your house. It is as though Jesus passed through Jericho for one person. Do you see this? There's no encounter mentioned here except for this encounter. It's like Jesus passed through Jericho... There's crowds all around. He zones in on this one guy and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. It was like he chose to come to Jericho for one man. A hated man. A despised man. A traitor. A tax collector. And he said, I'm coming to your house. So verse 6, he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to Grumble. They were good Baptists back then. They were Jews, but they were good Baptists. Can you believe? Can you believe that now the preacher's a traitor? Jesus is eaten with traitors. He's now a traitor. Too. I thought he was the Messiah. And he's grumbling. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give back four times as much. What has just happened? Here's a man who is collecting taxes for the Romans. Here's a man who is stealing from his people extra money to pad his own pocket. And he says, I'll tell you what, I've accrued a lot of wealth. I'm going to give half of it away to the poor. And I'm going to go back through the records and see who I've stolen from. And I'm going to pay them back four times. What has happened here? Jesus tells us in verse 9 what has happened. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, if anybody knows what happened, it was Jesus, right? Because Jesus not only looks on the outward appearance and the outward response, but he looks at the heart. And he sees Zacchaeus... Getting everyone's attention with this display of repentance. And Jesus says, Let me define for you what's happened. Salvation has come to this house. And don't you think for a single solitary second that Zacchaeus, giving his money away to the poor and paying back people he had stolen from, was what saved him? That's not what brought salvation. That's not what brought peace with God. That's not what brought the joy of the Holy Spirit. What brought peace with God and salvation and the joy of the Holy Spirit was Jesus. And when he found the peace of God and the joy of salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit, he loosened his grip on his stuff and it didn't mean anything to him anymore. He went from being a rich man who loved his money to a man who didn't care, he had found a greater treasure. It's like the guy who bought the field for the treasure. He got Jesus and he found the real treasure and he released his grip on his money. It is not a shift in spending that changes your eternity. It's a shift in your eternity that changes your spending. And Zacchaeus had experienced a shift in his eternity. He had been spiritually blind, but now he could see. What really mattered. And what really mattered was not the fatness of his bank account, the fanciness of his material possessions. What really mattered was his relationship with Christ and the peace of God. And blind men, blind men get lost. The gospel blind people get lost. Physically blind people get lost. Spiritually blind people get lost. Well, verse 10 is good news because we learn there that Jesus has come for the sole purpose of seeking and saving the lost. Verse 10 of Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, pay attention. All that was kind of introduction. Here's the sermon. Jesus has come to seek and to save who? The lost. The blind. Maybe this morning you're gospel blind. Maybe you're gospel blind this morning like the disciples and you need a touch from Jesus to remove the scales from your eyes and to help you see the reality and the truth and the beauty of the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and that He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures and was seen by many for our salvation. You've been to church. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard the sermon Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but you have never, never been able to see clearly. You've never been able to understand the gospel clearly. You've heard it over and over, and you, yeah, I believe it. I've always believed it, I think. But you just don't get it. Maybe you've tried to understand to an extent. Maybe you've tried to respond in some way. I did what the preacher told me to do. I repeated the prayer. I raised my hand. I came forward and waved at everybody. I got myself wet in the baptistry. I try to come to church. I try to read my Bible. I try to pray. I try to give. I try, try, try. But I just don't have the relationship with Christ that I perceive is real in the Scriptures. And this is likely the case with a whole lot of church people. Billy Graham estimated that more than 80% of church people were not even truly converted and born again. They've been given a measure of sight through their Sunday school lessons. They've been given a measure of sight through Vacation Bible School and through what they catch in the sermons. They've been given a measure of sight, but they have yet to really, really see There was a very weird situation in the Bible. In Mark chapter 8, where Jesus heals a blind man, but it doesn't work. I'm like, when does Jesus not work? You know, it's like Jesus will walk by and say, be healed, and he's healed. Jesus says, get up, and they get up. And in this case, Jesus goes to heal a blind man, and it doesn't work. Now, do you think Jesus was incapable? Oops, I must have messed up my potion. No. Must have mix, mixed up the prescription. No. Jesus could have healed this blind man however he chose, but he, he didn't quite do it all the way. I think it's for us who might be gospel blind this morning. Listen to what happens here in Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes... And laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now that's different, because usually he says, be healed, open your eyes and see. But now he says, do you see anything? And the blind man looks up and he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. So he's, is this man blind? He sees something, and if you see something, you're not blind, right? Right? But can he see? Well, I mean, if everybody looks like trees walking around, no. Are you with me? So is he blind? No. Can he see? No. He's been touched by Jesus. He's been given a measure of sight, but he can't see. He's not getting a driver's license like that, right? In verse 25, it says, that again, he laid his hands on his eyes. And he looked intently. And was restored and began to see everything clearly and he sent him to his home saying do not even enter the village now notice what happens he receives a touch from Jesus he's no longer blind but he can't see either some of you may have received a touch of grace from Jesus thank God your parents brought you up in church thank God you were brought to Sunday school Thank God you came to vacation Bible school. Thank God that you've been brought into the house, uh, to this house to hear the message Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But it's only been a touch. You, You may not be completely blind, but you know, you know. Right now, you know he's talking about me. You may be eight or you may be 80, but you know, I just can't see. Well, Jesus doesn't just leave this guy. Well, it's too bad, you know. You're going to be half blind, half be able to see. I'm sorry. No, what does Jesus do? He touches him again. He touches him again. And then what does it say the man did? He looked intently. He looked intently. And he was restored. Some of you, are gospel-blind this morning. You can see, you've heard it, you've understand. you tried to respond in some way, but you know deep down in your heart you've never really seen it, you've never really believed it, you've never really embraced it, you've never really been transformed by it. You just kind of see men walking as trees when it comes to spiritual things. Well, I want you to know, Jesus can touch you this morning. And if you will look intently, if you will look intently into the gospel message, you can see clearly. Jesus heals... Gospel, blindness. Maybe you're physically blind. I wrestled with this one. I was like, "What? Well, have a healing service? You know, physically blind? Come on up. Jesus will hear you this morning." How do you apply that one? Maybe you are physically blind. You're here, and you're or you're watching online, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm blind. What you got to say to me, preacher?" You maybe you wonder why why has Jesus not healed me physically? I've prayed. And I'm not Jesus, so I can't answer that for you, but maybe we can see a clue. Remember in John 9 when the disciples said, well, Who sinned this man or his parents? That he was born blind? Well, if you were read on in verse 3, Jesus answered and he says, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man was born blind. Simply for the for the opportunity for Jesus to display His glory. So maybe you're blind, maybe you're watching and you're or listening and you're blind, and you think, "Why is Jesus not healing me?" Well, first thing you need to understand is you're not blind because you're a sinner. Because you've done something to deserve to be blind. It's just a product of sin which happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned and then came death, then came pain, then came sickness, then came sorrow, then came destruction. It's, it's a product of sin, but it may not be directly linked to your sin. So why would you be blind and, and why would Jesus choose not to heal you? For the same reason He would choose to heal. Somehow to bring Himself glory. And to magnify himself, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, just think about this. There was a man who likely had 20-20 vision on his way to Damascus. And Jesus put him on his face and blinded him. And you know what Saul saw in his blindness? He saw the face of Jesus Christ. And he didn't see anything else for three days. But the face of Jesus was burned in his mind. And then a man comes and the scales fall off of Paul's eyes and he's able to see. But we even get clues throughout his writings that he never saw well again. Physically. But he saw spiritually, did he not? Fanny Crosby, who wrote many, many hymns in our hymn book, said this. She was blind and she said, If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Listen. Could it be that Jesus wants His face to be the first you see? Could it be that He has positioned you in a place where the things of this earth are truly dim in the light of His glory and grace? And there are are some things worse than blindness. And I don't say that tritely or without compassion on people who are blind, but there are some things that are worse than blindness, and that is not seeing the face of Jesus. Twenty-twenty vision, but never seeing Jesus, it is much worse than complete physical blindness, and yet seeing Christ. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says these words in verse 29, If your right eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. And throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus just said, you'd be better off to rip both your eyes out and go around blind than to go to hell. Maybe God in His sovereign plan wants His face to be the face that you see. Maybe, maybe you're spiritually blind. Maybe this morning... You're like Zacchaeus. You came in here, you slipped in the back. I'm not feeling out like one of those visitor cards. I'll come in right as the service is starting. I'll slip into the back. Going to lay low. Hide in the bushes. Get out of here as soon as he says amen, if he ever says amen. You're like a Zacchaeus sitting here in the trees and you're curious enough to be here and you're looking through the leaves at Jesus and maybe you've been hiding your sin Maybe you've been hiding your shame. And I pray this morning that you have caught a glimpse of Jesus as he passes this way. I pray that as he passes this way, he looks your way and he calls your name today. That he came to First Baptist, Tullahoma for you today. And that he calls your name today. And that salvation comes to your house today. Listen, he's already done it, he came to this earth. Stepped out of the glories of heaven, not counting equality with God the Father, a thing to be grasped or to be held on to, but He humbled Himself, born of a virgin in a manger, to live a sinless, spotless, perfect, obedient life in your place, and to be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross in your place. To pay the penalty for your sin to shed His blood to cleanse you from all your sin. And He rose from the dead on Sunday morning. God the Father approving of His sacrifice, He rose from the grave, He conquered death, conquered hell, conquered the grave, ascended into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father now and has been given a name that is above every name so that at His name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father there is nothing more he can do for you this morning than has already been done he gave his life to give you peace with god spiritually blind people who need to have the scales ripped off of their the eyes of their heart to see the wonders and the beauty and the glory of the gospel and the face of Jesus Christ. Would you bow? Would you bow with me just a moment? I want us to pray together. Listen for what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you this morning. What he may be showing you this morning. Andy's going to be over here to my left. He's going to be there to pray with you. Michael's going to be over here to my right. In, in just one second, they'll be here. And as Miss as Lisa begins to play, if you need someone to pray with you, if you need to talk with anyone, just come up, take them by the hand. They'll be glad to talk with you. They'll be glad to pray with you. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. No need to procrastinate. Maybe you right now need to pray. You believe you are gospel blind. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you see, but you don't see clearly. Pray now that God would give you an understanding. Pray that God would give you a love of and a passion for the gospel. Pray for those around you. For the scales to come off of their eyes. For them to see clearly. For them to find peace with God, assurance with God. If that's you this morning and you know, I may have experienced the common grace of Christ, but I haven't really experienced the power of Christ to transform my life. Would you call on His name? Plead with Him. Call out to Him in repentance and faith to give you your sight, give you peace with Him. And God is prompting you and moving you and stirring you. You need counsel. You need guidance. You need direction. You need someone to pray with you. You just step out from where you are right now. We'll be glad to pray with you. We'll be glad to talk with you to point you to Christ. Maybe, maybe you need to pray for a desire to see His face, even if it means we tear out our eyes for this world. Maybe you need to pray that God would would help you to overcome your love for the world, your love for the things in the world, your affection for the things in this world, and and give you a passion and a love for Him. Listen, if if you are caught up in the things of this world and you don't see the beauty in Christ's face, you're worse than physically blind. Pray that He would open your eyes to see His face. Maybe you're spiritually blind this morning. You're like Zacchaeus. You're hiding in the crowd. And your shame and your sin, you're hoping that no one notices you here, but Jesus has noticed you. And He's put His finger on your heart. He said, today, I'm going to come dwell with you. Would you just come down? Meet Christ. Come down from your hiding and meet Christ. Call on His name. Turn from your sin. Put your faith and your trust in Him. Father God, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for the gospel. And that you have the power to remove the scales from our eyes. That you have the power to open our spiritual eyes and to help us to see the beauty of your face. You have the power to call us out from our hiding and our shame and our sin. And give us the joy of salvation. I pray that whatever type of blindness we may be suffering from this morning, that you would heal us. You came to give sight to the blind and to set the captives free. We pray that you've done that this morning. We'll give you praise for it all in Christ's name. Amen.